following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Today we're finishing our series on Extreme Makeover Spiritual Edition, and it's been really cool. We looked at a lot of aspects on how God wants to to build us. Maybe some of you guys feel like you're in a stage where God's doing some building in your life, uh, or maybe you feel like you're in a stage where God is doing some rebuilding. How many feel like God's got to rebuild some sections from time to time? Yeah. And so whether God is building or rebuilding, it's great because God is doing a work. He promises the work that he began in you, he will bring to completion. So God is making you into his masterpiece the Bible says that we are God's workmanship, his poema, this, this beautiful thing that he's putting together. And uh, he's, he's going to bring to completion the work that he began in all of us. But we said we need to let him. We need to let God have his way. Let God do the work. It's the only way that we're going to have the full display of what our life was meant to be is if we let God do his work. And um, I know today we're going to be um, looking at the section about building when we build with God's talents, with God's talents. Uh, God's given everyone in this room a profound, diverse set of gifts, spiritual gifts, natural gifts, talents, abilities, even experiences that you have and testimonies that you have that are specifically in you and that God said, wow, watch what we're going to do with these. And if you want to know what God wants to build in you, if you want to have any idea of what it might look like or you're trying to discover what that picture might be, you got to start by looking at the actual gifts that he put in you because he put gifts, spiritual and natural, inside of each one of us and talents for a reason. In his creative order, there's a reason for the giftings that God put in each one of us. So uh, I love uh, talking about this. We'll be in Matthew 25 if anybody wants to turn there, but I, I want to start by um, by opening up with the story of Moses, because Moses did not seem profoundly gifted from the beginning. In fact, Moses had a very difficult beginning. Um, you know, a lot of times when we go through life, and I've, just, I've seen this in my own life, I've seen this in the lives of others, as we go through life of, and we wonder, what could God do, or what is God going to make with us, or what's God going to create, sometimes we look back at our past, and we think that maybe things from our past have altered us in a way, well, how is God going to use me? Uh, you know, look where, who I am or where I'm from or what I've been through, and maybe you think this way or feel that way. Listen, Moses' parents sent them away, sent them down the Nile. Anybody ever get sent down the Nile? Think of, there's alligators in the Nile. I think there is. There, should, there probably is. They, they put them in a basket and they sent them down the Nile River. And this is how Moses got his start. And if Moses was ever going to grow up to have issues, (laughs) I think that would start an issue. Would that for you? How did your life start? My parents sent me down the Nile River, unattended. Poof, let's see what happens. But that's how Moses got his start. He ends up, instead of being raised in a Jewish family, which is his cultural heritage among the Hebrews, he's raised among the people who are who are. Uh, controlling the land under Egypt. He's raised in Pharaoh's house. And he's got this dual thing going on. He doesn't look like them. He doesn't feel like them. And yet he's being raised by them. And he looks over at his own people and his own people are going through some miserable stuff. So one day he intervenes 
and he intervenes. Somebody is beating a soldier. Moses jumps in, hits the guy back. He dies. Moses runs for his life. Life is over as he knew it. He leaves the entire Egyptian kingdom. He's out in the desert on the back of some mountain tending sheep. And it doesn't seem like he's got a future based on a past like that. And I think it's important to say that because our lives can do the same thing. If, if we don't come to terms with our past, guys, it doesn't matter what your past is, it doesn't matter what you've been through, uh, I would suggest to you this morning that God wants to leverage all of it, and I mean all of it. The Bible says all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you're here this morning and you love God and you sense that you're called according to his purpose, God's going to work all those things together for his good. Even the bad stories will be testimony to bless others. And this is how we build. So we have to understand no matter what's going on with the past, don't make excuses for the past. Because many people are limited on what God builds because they make excuses because of their past. It's very easy to do. In fact, it's natural for us to do that. Well, you don't know what I've been through, or you don't know this, or you, and, and, and I'm saying Moses is one of these guys too. In fact, we, we see in, in, the, in the story of Moses, a quick summary, is God calls Moses from the back of this mountain where he's tending sheep for 40 long years. He's out there tending sheep, and God calls him, and the first thing that Moses does is he starts making excuses. God calls him, Moses, I'm going to use you, going to build a great nation, you're part of it. You ready to build? And Moses got all kinds of excuses. And you could read this in the book of Exodus, but he starts making an excuse and God answers it. And he has another excuse and God answers it. And he keeps coming up with all these excuses as if God's going to go, oh, I forgot about that one, Moses. You're right. Why don't you sit back down? I'm going to find somebody else. God's like, I know that, Moses. I've seen it. I've watched the whole thing. I called you out of that. I'm going to leverage everything. Say leverage everything. Say it again. Leverage. God wants to leverage everything. All things work together for the good. He wants to leverage it all. Even Moses' experiences and being sent down the Nile and being raised in two different cultures, all of that stuff, even the, the, the murder of the Egyptian, the zeal that rose up in him, God's like, that's not the way you do it, but I like the zeal, but not that direction, Moses. All of these things, God's gonna work together for the good. And while God's trying to build something, Moses is making excuses, one after another, after another, after another. And then finally, when he's almost out of excuses, his last one's like, well, they're not going to believe me, and if I go to them, how, well, who am I? And they're going to just think, you know. In, in other words, Moses is thinking, I'm not enough. I'm going to need way more. Gideon thought the same thing. God, I'm going to need a lot more. I'm going to need something really big if we're going to go do this thing you want to build. And God's like, no, you don't. And with Moses, he's like, well, I, I, need, I need more stuff. And God tells him this. Start with what's in your hand, Moses. What's in your hand? And Moses is like, seriously? Like, we're going to deliver the nation of Israel out of bondage across a desert into a land of, and, and the only thing that matters is what's in my hand? And God's like, yes, for right now. The only thing that matters, Moses, is that you believe me and have faith and trust. And you start with what's in your hand. And I would suggest to you this morning that it's the same with us. We gotta start with what God has in our hands. In fact, we have a couple of notes this morning if you wanna write this down uh, as a little quick summary of Moses' life and we're gonna jump into Matthew. Uh, the first one is this. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. 
He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He, he wasn't looking for somebody who has delivered other people from other nations under hostile environments. He didn't look around, God's like, oh, you're the guy who delivered all those other people, can I use you? No, he didn't, he didn't look for somebody who was qualified. Uh, he, he calls them out and then he qualifies them along the way. Moses is like, I stutter. And it sounds like it, if you read it in Exodus, he's like, ah, but, 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 God, 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 I, I can't, 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 can't do this job. And it sounded like he really had a speech impediment. And uh, God's like, that's not going to stop you. He's like, but, but, uh, what about my brother? He speaks better than me. And no, Moses, what about, and he's going on with all these excuses. And I think we do the same thing. God doesn't call the qualified. Gideon said the same thing. How are you going to use me to deliver? I'm the smallest dude in my whole family, and my family is the smallest family out of the whole clan, and we're from the smallest clan of Israel. God, you made a mistake picking me. How are you going to build something through me? How are we going to deliver the Israelites through me? God's like, listen, believe and entrust, and God's going to work all these things together. We have to not make excuses And we have to realize it's not based on a whole bunch of qualifications. If it were based on qualifications, Jesus would have stood picking the 12 apostles outside the rabbinical school, and and he would have taken the top Pharisees of the class, the the top people graduating who wanted to be Pharisees. He would have stood in line and said, wow, this guy and this guy. He didn't do that. He looked for hearts that were moldable and shapeable and people with faith. And he said, you, and you, and you, and you, and you, you guys. Uh, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And the apostles are a complete story of people where he, where he qualifies called people. And so um, I think it's amazing. So no more excuses on that, Sand. He said, start by using what's in your hand. That's our second point this morning. Moses is making excuses, and God's like, Moses, what is in your hand? You mean this? Yes, this. Well, it's a staff. Use that. Moses has used that before. He's used it to keep the, the wolves away. He's used it to round up the sheep. He's used it for a lot of things. He's good with the staff. And you're good with stuff too. You might be good. Say you cut hair for a living. You're good with that scissors and that chair and that blow dryer. You're good with that. Maybe you do something else for a living. Maybe you design. Maybe you, you know, lead. Maybe you train people, whatever it might be. Whatever you do, that's what's in your hand. Listen, this matters. If you're thinking God's going to do something great, but I need to be resourced, God, if you would just, you know, if, you, if I could just quit my job, and if I just had a lot of money, and maybe the lottery, if I just win the lottery, God, then I could do some good for you. And God's like, no, no, that's the same thing Moses tried. That's the same thing Gideon tried. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Because that's where you got to start. Our second point this morning, start by using what God has already put in your hands. Really important place to start. Really important place to start. Use what God put in your hand and start building there. If God's going to build, say, what did you give me, God? At least be faithful at that level on 101 ground level. We got to start with the basics rather than some profound vision looking down the road that God's going to bring people and resources and everything and then I'm going to start building for God. God's like, no, I'm going to start building with you now, and I'm going to qualify you along the way. You don't feel qualified, but work with me, and you're going to get qualified. And, and in fact, we're supposed to work with God. Uh, I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 3. It says this. It says that we are co-workers, co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, 
and God's building. In other words, God's building this great thing, whether it's out in the field or this big building, we're all co-workers together in what God is building. And that helps us realize, well, what's my part? Well, what do you have in your hand? Well, I just have a trowel. That's fine. You start with the trowel. What do you have in your hand? I have a wall plug. Well, you start with the wall plug. Does that make sense? Whatever God gives you, whatever you have in your hand, that's where we got to begin. So let's jump into this passage, Matthew 25. I love this passage. Um, I remember when I just started reading the Bible many years ago, this one really jumped out at me, and I've read it many times, and it's one of my favorite passages because I think it is so relatable to every one of us. It doesn't take a lot of guesswork when we read this passage. What does it mean, and how does it apply to me? Uh, This is one of the clearest parables out of all the parables uh, that I think just stand right in front of us at face value where we go, wow. I get this, and it has a lot to do with how God builds with our talents, specifically the talents that he's given to us, and so let's jump right in. We'll look at this in sections, Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who, with the two talents, gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So starting out, it's a parable. Jesus says it's a parable. All the parables are pointing to how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is God's rule and reign, not just heaven when we get there, comes down on earth and we choose to step into God's kingdom or not. Uh, It's amazing that on this planet right here, right now, there's many people who have stepped into the kingdom and there's many people on the outside that don't want to step in or never heard about the kingdom. And if they were invited to the kingdom, they would step into the kingdom. And Jesus is telling people about the kingdom of God. It is here, it is now, and this is the way it works. And in the kingdom of God, he's using uh, this one here, speaking about talents, because in God's kingdom, in God's economy, this is how God works with people Uh, with you and I, and I think from the very beginning, the first thing we have to understand is the relationship, the relationship of God's kingdom. This parable is saying that God is the master and we are the servants. We are the what? This is the economy of God. He's the master, we're the servants, and if we miss this, we miss the whole point of this parable. He's the master, he's the servant, we're the servants, and it goes on to say that God entrusts us Here's the big thing. He entrusts us. So he entrusts us with these talents. And it says right in the first line, he called the servants and entrusted his property. Whose property? This is the whole deal, and a lot of people miss this. Even believers miss this. God entrusted his property to his children, the servants in the story. And so many miss this point because so many think, hey, listen, I'm good at baseball because I played hard, or I'm good at doing this because I worked hard at it, or I, and a lot of people say, well, I'm this because I went to school for a long time, and I earned it, and a lot of people have these answers for everything that they have, and, and, and it's easy to make this. It's very natural, 
to say, nobody gave me anything, I worked for it. But listen, who gave you your birthday, right? Who gave you your DNA, your genetics? Who gave you that? God did. Who gave you the divine appointments along the way? And who gave you your talents? God did. Everything's entrusted to you and I. But there are people who don't do the right thing with their talent because they really believe that it is theirs. And in this passage, it's saying it's actually not yours, it's not mine. Um, It is entrusted, the, the master entrusted his property. And so that means because they're entrusted that they're on loan to us from God and they're just on loan for a little while. It's been said life is really short and eternity is really long. So these, these talents are entrusted to us for a little while. We don't really have that long with them, and yet we have them. So our third point this morning, if you're a note taker, and I encourage you to, to write these down so God can build and you can build with God's talents, the third point this morning is everything I have is on loan from God. Everything I have is on loan from God. And I would qualify it that way because sometimes we put things in categories, well, not my car. I worked for that. I remember buying that. I remember how hard I had to work for that one. And, and this, I, I would say the talents are your gifts, both natural and spiritual, and they were all, everything you've been endowed with. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If he's the Lord of all, or is he, is he only the Lord of some things, or is he the Lord of all? I, I think he's the Lord of all. I mean, I, I don't know. You have a hard time from Scripture saying that he's not... Lord of all, but when we step in the kingdom, we make him Lord of all, and some people say, no, I'm Lord of my life, and when you step in the kingdom, you're like, no, he's Lord of my life, and as you're walking in the kingdom, you realize, oh yeah, he's not just the Lord of eternity, he's not just the Lord of forgiveness, he's the Lord of all, and so he's the one entrusting, and everything I have is on loan from God. Now, when you think about your natural gifts and your natural skills, Um, hopefully you've come to terms and maybe taken a little inventory of what you have that's unique. If you are not sure what they are, ask somebody you know, if you're married, your spouse or family member or friend, uh, what kind of natural giftings and talents uh, somebody knows you well, we'll be able to identify those. Sometimes we don't see them ourselves. I've seen people that are like great artists or great singers and, and they don't even think they are. You know, it's amazing. Or a really good athlete and they don't think they are. And so sometimes you have to say, no, you really are. <laughs> that is a gift from God. Don't minimize it. Uh, you got to be responsible with it. And so uh, this is important. So all resources, experience, all these things. It goes on to say that when God gave these talents out, he gave each person, each one, according to their ability. In other words, God knew, when I'm giving you this one, I know you can handle it. Boom. Be responsible. You're entrusted. God looked around and goes, I know what your ability is. Boom, this one's for you. You're going to be able to handle that one. So God was very strategic. It wasn't just throw them up in the air and see where they land, uh, which ones land inside your circle or outside your circle. Uh Uh-uh. God was very strategic, giving you gifts and talents according to your ability and as well as mine. And so he knows what we can handle. So God says this, if you have it, you're able to use it. If you have it, you're able to use it. And again, what some people do, they say, well, yes, I have it, but someday when I win the lottery or someday if I'm, you know, retired, that that's when I'm gonna do it. And God says, no, what do you have in your hands right now? Be responsible to it right now, whatever you have in your hands. If you're a mechanic, be a mechanic for the glory of God. Whatever it is, use it for the glory of God. Whatever God put in your hand, use it for the glory of God. Um, 
And so in this passage, two guys invested and one didn't. Two invested. In the Greek, the invested, the Greek word for invested means to put to work, to actually do something with, to commit to doing or to minister with. It actually is it's not just an idea that I would like to invest or I will someday. It's actually getting traction. It's actually doing something. It's engaging in something. It's starting to work through something. So two of them did, uh, did this uh, investment. They put it to work. And it says they did it at once, at once. Um, you know, God is saying to some today, you already know this, what I'm speaking about today. You've read the passage and you know this. But for some of you, God is saying, stop procrastinating. Stop procrastinating. You know, we, we think we have forever. Like, I'm going to get to this. So I know, I know, I know. It's not my season. It's not my season. Someday I'll get to that. I, I know, I know. And I think God is saying, hey, stop procrastinating and step in by faith. All of this is by faith, guys. When Moses grabbed that staff and started taking one step towards Egypt, that's faith. And you're never going to get used to part seas or do anything else or watch anything God does. That Moses has a great story to tell. If he didn't take what's in his hand and start taking one step in the right direction, you got to take what's in your hand and you got to walk in the direction God's calling you to, to walk in. So two of them engaged, put to work, invested, and they did it at once by faith. But one, one buried, one buried. And what does it mean to bury? Well, bury means to hide it. Nobody gets to see it. Nobody gets the benefit. Nobody gets to enjoy it. Nothing is changing with that gift. Whether you have it or not, no one sees it. It's not in action. It's not changing anything. It's not building anything. It's just parked somewhere. And burying, I would say this, guys, that burying, if you have gifts and talents this morning that you think might be buried, God's saying it's time to dig them up. It's time to dig them up. It's time to pull them out. Now, I will say with gifts and talents, some seasons of your life, he has some at the top and these down here and other seasons, you know, he may be shuffling what's the priority, but, but the gifts are in you to be on display. And we can't know what God's going to build until we understand what he put in us because everything he put in us, he wants to come out of us. That's his design. He gave these gifts according to our ability. But burying, when, when gifts are buried, uh, because that's kind of what this story is about. You know, some could call this the story of the talents or you could call it the story of the buried talents or the story of the buried treasure or the wasted opportunity. There's a lot of ways you could call this parable. But what's standing out is the guy who didn't invest, who buried his. And burying is usually done by one of two things. It's either done by laziness, where I don't feel like it kind of thing. Just, I don't feel like it. Laziness is what it is, laziness. The Bible lists, you know, don't be lazy, be diligent. Um, Laziness, slothfulness, just saying, I don't feel like it. It's my gift, I'll do what I want, I don't feel like it. That is oftentimes the number one reason why people don't invest. But the other one is, is fear, and fear is real. Fear is, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't bear fruit? And so because of that, there's a paralysis that sets in, and people say, I'm not going to do it. And they'll never know what it would have been like. Moses could have had that. He tried with all his excuses. Underneath his excuses was fear. 
If I go back there, do you know what they're going to do to me? <laughs> They'll remember who I am. But he's got excuses about the way he talks, about this, and he's not good enough, and why they're not going to listen to him, and he's got all these excuses in the world. And I think sometimes our own excuses are kind of like roadblocks. They're like little ninja moves to block away what's really going on on a deeper level. And on the deeper level, sometimes it's fear. Like, I don't want to call it fear. I don't want to address it. Just, just block it and kind of, you know, deflect and deflect. And some people do that. If you ask people about the Lord, and it's, it might say they're atheist or agnostic, a lot of times I find they, these are deflections. Just blocking, oh yeah, well, I don't. And, and if you keep going and keep going, you hit a nerve. And you realize, ooh, there's actually a pain in there. And because of that pain, they refuse to go forward and they're blocking everything that comes in the way that talks to a relationship with God and stepping into his kingdom. It's blocking and blocking because they don't want to deal with a hurt or a pain. It's easier to deflect than to be transparent. But people bury either by laziness or by fear. And so we need to think about that in our own lives, guys. Are, are we being lazy or proactive? Because it says that the rewarded ones did it immediately. They put it to work. They actually go, you know, all I have is a staff, but I'm going to start doing this with it. Or all I have is a pair of scissors and a chair, but I'm going to leverage it for God's glory this way. Or all I have is whatever that is, even spiritual gifts. I have a gift of intercession. Well, great. I'm not going to use it just for me. I'm going to come in and pray for the church and the city. I have a gift of encouragement. Great. I'm going to be proactive, get out of my comfort zone, and start building people up. God made me to do that. He made me to start building people. Whatever your gifts are, spiritual and natural, to begin to step out with them and begin to put them to work where they're on display. And this says they did it immediately, which was obviously very rewardable. But the laziness and the fear, those aren't options for us. The people in the kingdom, that's not our option. Investment, I believe, is required. It says this in 1 Corinthians 4.2. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Must prove faithful. And uh, this is one of the scriptures that began to pull me into a commitment with God. I, was, I knew a little about God when I was younger, but I was not ready to step in. And it's Passages like this, where I knew God had entrusted me with some things, but I'm on my time with my stuff and my ways, and I was not going to step in with these things for God's glory. I wasn't, and I was fighting it for many years, too many years, and wasted years as a result of it. But Luke 12, 48 says, to whom much is given, much is required. And sometimes that's a way that God, you know, Scripture has an amazing way of speaking to our hearts. Scripture can encourage Sometimes scripture rebukes. I got a rebuke from this one. Sometimes we need a rebuke. How many need a tune up once in a while, a little direction change? Yeah, scripture. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than a two. It can correct, it can encourage, it can build us up, it can exhort us, it can edify. It can also correct us or rebuke us when we're wrong. When we're reading scripture, you read something and God's going, that's you. And you're like, oops, sorry, Father. <laughs> Busted, I'm gonna... I'm going to modify that one, okay? You got, I got, you got my attention, and I'm hearing you loud and clear. And that's the beauty of Scripture. Um, early on for me, to whom much is given, much is required. I'm like, man, I wish that wasn't in the Bible. I, I would have continued longer in my demise at the time, I thought. And then when God woke me up, I'm thinking, you can't. <laughs> you can't fight God on this stuff. All you do is waste years, and you waste so many things. So many, and so many people are. There's so many men that are still being boys because they 
don't come to terms, and, and, and women too who are still being girls, who are not stepping into what God has, the fullness, because there's still the, well, what if my way is better, and what my gift, and my time, and my way, and my, I'll build what I want, and my way is going to be better than God, I think, and all this smoke screening only to prolong the inevitable and miss out on many years of fruition. I think the sooner we understand this and step into it, that's where we start building for God's glory. So the fourth point this morning is this. It's time to identify and invest God's gifts for God's glory. It's time to identify. If you don't know your gifts, your natural gifts, your spiritual gifts, start to identify. Pray, ask the Lord what they are. Ask people around you who know you what they are. Begin to identify, but not just identify to know, identify to invest. And they're God's gifts, and it's for God's glory, and that's how we know what should we do with them. Okay, Lord, I have A, B, and C. What should I do with these? Begin to step into a way by faith that has to do with God getting the glory because these are God's gifts that are entrusted. They're entrusted for a season, and we're gonna have an accounting someday. And in fact, this passage goes on, speaking of accounting, and it says in verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant, exclamation point. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness, exclamation point. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant, exclamation point. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness, exclamation point. I want to stress this right here because there's a time and a season coming where all of our accounts have to be settled. We got to settle accounts. Um, Everything's got to be settled. There's going to be a day of reckoning before God. And this kind of reckoning, the Bible says, is not the the heaven and hell judgment. Those who follow Christ, who have the spirit in them, pass that judgment. We cross over. We skip that one. We we don't, we don't suffer a second death, as the Bible would say. But there is a Bema seat judgment, which is, uh, we're familiar with this term from the Olympics of giving wreaths and giving ribbons. Um, there's another uh, awards coming, rewards coming for the people of God. And this is talking about the time we stand before God, and he's going to say, how did you do with everything I entrusted you? And that's not, we're not going to be able to go, well, that you didn't give me, that was mine, God, and you didn't give me that, that was, he's going to say, how do you do with the opportunities and the stuff I gave you? And there's going to be a settling, and each of us have it, you have it, I have it, we all have it. And uh, Romans 14, 12 builds on this, so then each of us will give an account concerning himself to God. Each one of us, this is throughout scripture, we're going to stand before him. And the videotape's going to roll in high definition, 4K, whatever you got. It's going to boom, surround sound. I mean, the whole thing's going to roll. And we're going to go, yeah, about that, about that. Um, you know, and the point is this, guys. Christianity is not about perfection, but it is about direction, amen? It is about walking in faith with the things God entrusts us. God wants to build something. He wants to bring to completion what he started. 
It is coming to terms with this kind of thing, with gifts and talents for the glory of God. This says something interesting. It says that the first two servants, even though they had completely different amounts of talents that God gave them, they got the same reward, which is amazing. I love this. This tells me that you might be getting the same reward as Billy Graham. Maybe he had 20 talents. Maybe you got one. The difference wasn't based on how many talents they had. The difference was based on their faithfulness with those talents. If you are full-blown faithful with one talent, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in the master's happiness. You were good with 50. Well done, good. Not a, not a bigger like cheerleading squad in heaven, not more. It says, you were faithful. The father would say, you are faithful. Well done. Come on in. Come this way. Welcome home. This is what this is saying. So the rewards are not based on the amount of talents. They're based on our level of faithfulness. This is important because you might think, well, I don't know. I'm just kind of a one-talent guy or a one-talent ga- gal. Or maybe you think you got 10 talents or 20, whatever it might be. The rewards are not going to be based on the amount. They will be based on the level of faithfulness. And that's reassuring. Because when God gave these talents, the Bible says that he gave each according to their ability. So God knew you can handle it. I'm giving you one, but you can handle this one well. I'm going to give you five. You can own these. Boom. And God gave them out according to his sovereignty. And that's the beauty of this. So the fifth point this morning, and it is our last point, is this, is that I will be measured by my faithfulness. I will be measured by my faithfulness. I am gonna be measured by everything that I had the opportunity to do. Everything God gave me, everything. My spiritual gifts, my natural gifts, my finances, my time. Time, talent, treasure. You might wanna write those down. Time, talent, treasure. Those are all things that are in your realm of influence that you have direction over, and God's going to go, how'd you do with those? And we don't want to go, well, I did good with my treasure with you, God, but time, I didn't do that. And my talent, I didn't do it. We don't want to say, I did good with my, my talent and my treasure, but I didn't have time. Or I did good with my, my uh, time and my talent, but not my, we wanted to say, God, everything you gave me I tried to be a God-first person and I tried to build for your namesake and for your glory because we're gonna be measured by faithfulness. So I don't know about you, but this kind of helps me wake up. If God is building in my life or rebuilding in my life and here we are still in the beginning of a new year and I know there's course correction going on, I wanna aim to be faithful because I think God will build greater things if we start like Moses with what's in our hand. If we just start there, and start taking steps of faithfulness, uh, that's gonna be very commendable. I would say this as a caution. We have to be careful how we measure success because sometimes success can be measured through your neighbors or other people, the way they're measuring success. God's not measuring success by who's got the most talents. The world does. God is not. God's economy is not the world's economy. His kingdom is not the world's kingdom. His in his realm, in his world, and we're servants in God's realm. He's the master, we're the servants. In his realm, uh, our success is gonna be measured by our faithfulness, not the way the world would see it. And I would also say this, it says, when it says share in your master's happiness, 
you got to understand that when you're faithful, God is smiling at you. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Some people, when you ask them, you know, you know God is spirit, but if you picture God, if you were to imagine God, you know, what, how, what would he look like? And some people have this idea of some stern kind of face of God not smiling or something, maybe frowning his eyebrows or something like that, or going like, you better watch out. I don't know where that comes from, but the Bible said God so loved the world, loved God's motivation is love. He loved you before you loved him back. Do you realize that? God's motivation is love. God's motivation is for your best. I know the plans I have for you. They're not to harm you. Don't think God's scowling with a, it's not to harm, it's to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. God's like, run with this stuff. Be faithful with this stuff. I'm smiling on you. God is looking down, smiling on our faithfulness. That's amazing to me. Not how many talents we have, but our faithfulness with what he gave us. And so I don't know if you've ever come to terms with anything you do in life that you kind of got a sense, hmm, I think God might be smiling right now. Have you ever done that in anything? Anything you've ever done where you kind of feel, if not, pray for more sensitivity to that because I believe if you love the Lord and you're trying to live for his glory, you are already doing things that make God smile. The devil doesn't want you to know God's smiling, but God is smiling and God smiles on his children and their faithfulness. And uh, we need to know that because the whole reward when we see him face to face is come and share. Come and share in the master's happiness. In other words, the father looking down at you, smiling at you when you're faithful, and then you kind of understand the father's looking at you smiling and it makes you smile while you're being faithful. Listen. While you're being faithful, you smile because the Father is smiling on you. And when this happens, we're we're even down here on earth sharing in the master's happiness. Does that make sense? You know, we gotta understand, Bible says like when one person comes to faith that there's a celebration in heaven. You gotta understand, there's smiling going on. It's not like there's a celebration in heaven. You know, some frown or some kind of... It's like, where do we get this from? There's a celebration. There's jumping jacks going on. It's like a party. It's a celebration. Uh, you know, the end story here, the reward is sharing in the master's happiness. And I don't know if you've ever gotten that visual, but that's the heart of God. Get that visual, because that's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's going to go down. And eternity's a long time. There's going to be a lot of sharing in the master's happiness. I'm going to just finish this last part, and then, uh, then the worship team will come up and be great. Um, it says this in verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. In fact, the Bible never says any of those things about God. None of those things that this man said are in God's nature or in his word. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See? Here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested? And this is like rhetorical. Oh, so you knew, did you? So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, it would have received it back with interest. And again, this is people making excuses for not investing their talents and their resources, excuses. And none of those excuses are gonna work with God. This guy came up with a, a, a position 
He said, well, I knew you were this, and I knew you were that. And, you know, if you talk to an agnostic or an atheist, they're going to be really good. Well, well they're going to come good with some philosophy that's going to try to sound convincing, but that's, that's not going to cut it when we stand face to face with God. This guy tried to do that. Well, God, I knew you were hard, and I knew this, as if God was going to say, you're right. You're right. I, I missed that one. Come on in. God, he, by the way, this is not a heaven and hell judgment. Um, this is for citizens of the kingdom. Uh, but when you read this passage, this is a stewardship matter right here. And this guy obviously knew nothing about the Lord because he said, I knew you this and I knew you that. And God's like, really? That's funny because that's not my way, my nature. And that's not the way I am at all. In fact, my word is really clear on who I am and what my nature is and my will is. And apparently you don't even know what that says. So this guy is completely winging it, doing his own life, his own way. And yet he thinks he can stand before God this way and give some kind of excuse. And the sad thing is, many go through life, um, you know, learning how to build success in what they think success is, and yet never building anything that's going to last, like this guy. I don't know what he did with the gifts. I don't even know what he did with his life, this guy. I have no idea. We don't know what he did with his life. He probably did something that he thought was reasonable. And, And it's not success because it's not faithfulness. Guys, faithfulness is success. Faithfulness is success. You gotta know that. If there's one take home today, know that. Your faithfulness is success. And it doesn't have to be some big, crazy plan. Just what's in your hand, start there. That's success. God says this in the passage, take the wasted talent away from that one and give it to the one who's faithful. You know, God will multiply. If you're faithful with little things, you'll get to be faithful with greater things. Again, faithfulness is rewarded by God, both on this earth and in eternity. This is the economy of God. This guy who wasted it, at the end, when there's an accounting, God says, take that away and give it to the other. Um, It says in Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And that's God's way of just saying he's a rewarder of those who seek him. He's a rewarder of those who, who function in faith. And so I want to close in prayer right now, uh, but I just want to ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. And I hope this morning that we could have a little bit of a, uh, a tune-up, if you will, uh, you know, a little clarity, a little correction on faithfulness that we might say, God, I haven't even come to terms with my talents, so show me what they are. What are my talents? What are my spiritual gifts? How do I start taking the first step of using by faith what you put in my hand, whatever that is. If it's teaching kids karate, that's a gift. Not everybody can do that. How do you leverage that for the glory of God? Whatever it might be, how do you begin to take a step for the glory of God to use the talent in a way that makes the master smile where we can share in his happiness? That's really what this passage is about. It's a stewardship issue. Everything's been entrusted. There's gonna be an accounting. Don't wait till later. Don't procrastinate but how can we be stewards right now? So that's my prayer this morning, God, is that we would be faithful, we would discover what these things are, we would be faithful uh, to these things, Lord. We would invest by faith, Lord, in your kingdom, your ways. We would try to discover what makes you smile. We even go through our week this week on a real uh, simple level and say, Lord, what does make you smile? And it might be, you know, handing the guy outside of 7-Eleven a cup of coffee, Uh, It might be something else, Um, but pray, uh, we pray this morning that you would show us what does make you smile, because we want to start 
functioning in those things, God? What makes you smile, God? And Lord, uh, your word says that if we're faithful with little things, we'll get to be faithful with greater things. So Lord, uh, thank you for trusting us with uh, talents, gifts, and resources. Show us how to be faithful, Lord God, and we trust that you will let us be faithful of even greater things, Lord. So thank you for what you're doing in our life. Bless our stewardship and be glorified. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.